Welcome to the Studio Spares Lockdown Cast, in which we talk to professionals in different parts of the music and audio industries about the effects of the virus and lockdown. And importantly, we also look to the future and think about post-lockdown and what it means to musicians, voiceover artists, agencies, venues, and other parts of uh, the audio industry. In this episode, I'm talking to TAD Management, a global tribute and concert production company with over 200 hardworking artists, bands, and acts. And it's TAD Management that get them into uh, resorts, theatres, casinos, and cruises all around the world. So first, a big welcome to Terry Davis, who is TAD Management's founder and CEO, and who has kindly cut really early uh, and, in, and is in somewhere in Mexico at the moment. So hi, Terry. How are you doing? I'm good. Hence the Mexico beard, non-beard. All right. <laughs> uh, also on, uh, on the cast, we have uh, Sam Kane, who's a, a friend of mine, and uh, also TAD Management Director of UK Operations. How are you doing, Sam? Very good. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for having us on. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure. Um, I, should, uh, I should point out, actually, that uh, Sam and his lovely wife, uh, Linda, uh, actually went through coronavirus and they were very, very ill for a long time. So how are you doing now, mate? Because I know you were in hospital. You went through the whole thing, didn't you? Yeah, it was uh, pretty horrendous. Um, going back six, seven weeks ago now when we came out of hospital and um, recovering really strongly, feeling much better. Mental attitude is stronger, come out with a new lease of life. Only very recently, really, kind of just pulled my socks up and, you know, faced the wind. And uh, for once, it was like a phrase, oh, excuse me, my phone's just fallen off. But, um, yeah, feeling really strong, mate. It was, yeah, it was a ride. And uh, not one I'd wish on my worst of enemies, let's put it that way. Well, that's good. I'm safe. Right, okay. <laughs> so let's, let's get into this. So um, maybe, uh, Terry, you could tell us a bit more about tab management when it started um, uh, and where you are now, and exactly, you know, what you do. Well, we started about 2008 when, uh, in, in the United States, we took a big economical hit. Uh, we had a restaurant at the time. We were struggling to stay open, and we just decided to go move from being a cover band. I was in the band at the time, and uh, throw a quote tribute together, because it wasn't really such a thing at that time, and it kept us open for about four years. Um, just instead of playing ABBA songs for people to dance to, we bought some cheap costumes from a fancy dress store and decided to dress like them. And it started like that. And that, that's, how it, that's how it really started. But then over the years, as we started booking tributes into the place and then the restaurant closed in 2012, then we really started uh, going uh, head over, just running with this and, and booking it. And... Uh, we have a really large presence in the United States in the over 55 communities where um, there are all the southern states are all very warm, California, Arizona, Texas, Florida, so on. Um, so everyone else, when it's freezing in the over 55 community, they come down to these warm states in the, literally in their millions, um, stay in uh, everything from nice houses to motorhomes, uh, and every day is a Saturday. So right. these places had... Uh, some of these places have four or 5,000 people staying there for four months uh, and no infrastructure for putting concerts on. They had a room that was multi-use. They'd have bingo and church and coffee mornings and everything else. So we literally do everything. We bring the staging, lighting, ticketing, marketing, everything. And um, I started putting shows on. Um, so now we have over 
well, nearly, uh, nearly 200 venues that we book exclusively in that field. And about four years ago, we got into the cruise market, five years ago, um, hired one of the very best agents in the cruise industry, Jan Stenning, and uh, we've become what they call one of the top four now, which are the top, top four agencies booking guest entertainers uh, all over the world on cruise ships. And of course, interestingly, the cruises have got such a bad uh, rap during this, uh, well, especially when coronavirus broke. There was a lot yeah. of news and focus on cruises itself. And how's that affected um, that side of the business for you? It's devastating, to be honest. It's frustrating as well. Obviously, like everything, there's always some balance to be found. The Diamond Princess uh, was the ship that got focused right in, in media at the beginning. And, you know, this is where the thing started, which isn't true. But that, that, that ship was based off in Asia, it was off the coast of Japan. It, um, just everything, everything met and it, that was where it was focused at the time, you know. Um, I believe seven people died on that ship, yeah. um, but there were 4,500 people on that ship. So, and I, do you have artists on that particular ship as well? We did, yeah. One of our artists, Dan Bennett, was on the Diamond Prince, Princess. And when it eventually, I think uh, 27 days later, came into the uh, port of Oakland, California, he was airlifted with many other passengers from there to uh, a naval facility, I believe, in uh, Texas, where they had him in quarantine for two and a half weeks uh, and then flew him back. And I, I want to make a point, too, because the cruise lines are getting such a bad rap. Um, Princess Cruises, who were owned by Carnival, were amazing in this whole process. The, the, the bill that they had to foot for getting people around, they paid all these entertainers, Everything they were supposed to pay. His contract was up a month uh, earlier. So yeah, they uh, they got him there, treated him really well, and uh, and he's home now, anxious to get back on the ship and juggle. Very good. Have you got any, uh, or have they given you any sort of idea on when they may think about relaunching and, and getting back out there, or is it is it cleared out for the year and, and they're not going to start till twenty twenty one? Well, we're really proactive. Um, we hold weekly web webinars and we talk to the cruise lines literally every day. Um, it's it's ever-changing. When it started, it was, let's get out of this two or four weeks and we'll be back in. Then that line, like everybody else, just keeps moving. The CDC issued the 100-day uh, no-sale, which ends on June 25th. And um, so celebrity... Um, I believe celebrity of two ships that they're hoping um, to push out in, um, in the middle to the end of June, but it's literally going to be one ship at a time, two or three days at a time. How many people are actually going to go on a cruise ship? Um, but the, the biggest challenge in the last uh, 10 days is now there's been many furloughs and lay layoffs. So the people we, we normally work with are no longer, no longer able to work. Right. I'm waiting for the message. You can't even communicate. You can't even make plans. No, of course not. Okay, so... Jumping on that, Dave, as well. Sorry, Paul. Just jumping in on that. With Terry talking about the cruises and where they operate. You know, they're already under such stringent uh, guidelines for 
for cleanliness and hygiene, yeah, probably better than most of the rest of the um, tourism trade. Um, so that's where they already were. And the fact that they stopped this so early in the process of coronavirus is testament to who they are, you know, because it's costing them. I mean, I know this, I won't mention the company, but it's costing them literally somewhere around about two and a half million dollars a day to keep the lights on. You know, that's without making a single penny. And they're just waiting and hoping that this, you know, this, this line that Terry mentions just gets moved, um, albeit in the right time. And the things they're putting into place as well to, uh, to make sure that everybody is healthy and gets on the ship clean and gets off the ship clean is just, it's immeasurable, the amount of hurdles they're jumping through to make sure that those, those um, regimentation situations I was talking about before are even further, yeah. even more stringent. It's incredible what they're doing. So the, the, the grief they're getting in the press is, to all intents and purposes, it's unfounded. Yeah, I mean, I always thought the, the the fact that they stopped so early and they just held their hands up and said, listen, we, we've got people on board that are unwell was quite commendable. There's been a lot of cover-ups in different places in the world. And so I, I think it's, it's been fantastic, really. And yeah. hopefully they'll be back out there soon. So, Sam, tell us a little bit about what you do for TAD in the UK. Well, I'm pretty new to TAD, albeit Terry's my closest friend. We've known each other nigh on 30 years we met back in the old working club men, uh, working men's club days, doing a tour, and uh, we just remained the closest friends. We're closest family, you know. And Terry asked me to come and work for him, and um, just to, to to tie in Tad as a global entity as much as anything else, and the UK being a big part of the cruise industry and entertainment industry. Although the UK side of entertainment has changed so dramatically over the years, you know, with variety kind of hitting the back in the back seat and what have you, but there's still a real clamour for entertainment certainly in the UK and as I said the UK industry cruise wise is very big it's a big big player and I've had a lot of uh, relationships built over the years through my experience and my different guises within the industry that it seemed like a perfect fit and we never put business in the way of pleasure Terry and I always delineate very very well we're we're great pragmatists in this and he's no he's he's the best he's a he's an inspiration to everyone that works for him and um Bringing me in, I think, was uh, very kind of him. And, you know, with my knowledge and uh, humility, I like to think that we've, uh, we've made a little bit further strides because it's about building incrementally a business that is, is global. And I'm, I'm you know, proud to say I'm a part of that. So it's bringing in Landside as well. It's that variety on land that died a long, long time ago. Certainly, I suppose, like the early 90s when it was at its back end. Now it's trying to diversify and find ways to build that outlet again yeah. because people don't know what entertainment is anymore in the UK. It's got so many different faces. Yeah. Yeah. That's a conversation that I have regularly with uh, various musicians yeah. and artists. And at the beginning of this, I introduced you as primarily a tribute concept production company, but um, you know, you've only got to go onto your website and, and see, you just have a, a huge raft of different uh, sort of artists uh, av- uh, available that work with you. And, um, and you have, uh, you have major artists. You have uh, Sam Bailey, for example, who's a, a, was she a winner? Excuse me. She was the winner of uh, um, one of the X Factors. Um, uh, so it, it is quite a huge roster that you have. So you must be placing these artists into such different sorts of venues and uh, sorts of different productions. So how do you handle that with such a, you know, a fairly small crew effectively? Well, I, th- I think Sam touched on it when he talked about us, um, when he came on in the U- UK, um, it wasn't a favour because he's a mate. It was, he's definitely, <laughs> yes. 
the best person to fit what we were doing. But that comes from, you know, I uh, obviously I, I'm British. I was born in Manchester, but left there um, really when I was about 23 to go to Spain. And uh, since then, I've only probably lived in the UK for about six years in the 1990s. Everything else has been over here in the States. So the disconnect, even though still proud to be British and love going there and so on and so on and so on, um, you become disconnected culturally because you become so connected over here. So where I was successful in the, from a business perspective um, over in the States, it wasn't, it wasn't transcending over there. So when we bring people like Sam in and Jan in Florida uh, and Beth up in Rhode Island, um, these people enable us to um, to get into areas where I certainly couldn't, and they have other knowledge in areas that I don't. Uh, also, we partner with companies uh, like Entertainment Events Incorporated in New York, which really helps us um, be successful in the theater market in the U.S., which is vast. It's yeah. enormous. Um, obviously, the size of the United States compared to the U.K., but it's also very different the way they do things. And I have failed miserably up until recently in the UK theater market, but in the US theater market, um, we're, we're incredibly successful. So, so where, where do you find all your artists? I mean, there's the obvious ones like Sam Bailey and so forth, but where do you find uh, your tribute acts? And, the, um, and there are just some great singers and um, all-round artists with you that are not necessarily tribute, but and where do these all come from? How do you go about finding these artists? Well, luckily, a lot of them come to us now. Um, um, a lot of them are seeking us out. But we'll twice, three times a year, we'll, we'll hold auditions, um, talent auditions, which are for various different reasons. We also produce our own. We've got a successful, very successful show called The Boys of D63, uh, that we put together about five years ago. Sam actually um, came over here and built the initial uh, choreography and the show structure along with Nick and myself at that show. Um, so from, because that's such a successful show, we'll, we'll, have, we'll at any point have four or five casts out. So there are various vocalists, people like Jose Figueroa and Nick Millwood, who are guest entertainers in their own right, but you can't work 52 weeks of the year. And so they'll jump into D63 and they'll go and tour with them. So we have this great, uh, great ability to uh, throw the talents around. So we audition people, people come to us, um, and uh, that's really how it, how, it, how it goes these days. Do you audition in the UK as well, or is it just, uh, yeah, you do, okay. Cool. Yeah, we've yeah. done that. It's very different, you know, Dave, the whole um, tribute, business in America is, is just viewed very differently than it is in the UK. I mean, there's a certain kind of genre of tribute that are top end, you know, and those guys are, you know, hitting the heights. I mean, go back to the days of uh, Stars in Their Eyes. They were the tributes of that day and, and people have followed on since. But in America, it's massive. You know, some of the tribute artists are filling arenas now, you know, and that's where Terry is. It's, that's, it's incredible because it costs so much less to see someone that's, I suppose, <laughs> for fear of wanting to get shot down equally as good, you know, in the great scheme of things, you know, uh, as opposed to seeing the real thing, because, you know, getting a ticket for the real thing isn't the it's easiest different. thing in the world these days, and it's very, very expensive. And there's a sort of, a certain uh, uh, fun aspect to seeing a, a, a tribute band, actually, more than 
the original band. I mean, if you go and see a, a Blues Brothers band or or ABBA, even you took uh, is it Bjorn again? I think I, I dipped a couple of their yeah. shows years ago, and it was just a totally different attitude than you might have expected going to a, a, an originals concert. And there just seems to be more fun about it with people dressing up and getting into it. And yeah, it's bizarre. You go in with the expectation of seeing the actual band, you know, you, if they deliver, then great. But, you know, we've all been to concerts where we go, Jesus, they've kind of lost it. You know, and you, you <laughs> almost reset it for 30 yeah. years when they were younger, when they started and, and get them 30 years ago in a different guise, but, you know, equally as talented as they were that time. So, yeah, it's the expectation of the audience. And I think they, the expectation may be going in, and this is my perspective, they kind of don't, expect it to be amazing and when it is it's like you know it's even you get more bang for your buck then yeah do you agree with us yeah i mean the, the tribute market certainly in the states had a black cloud over it for years of being an inferior art form um but like sam says there are some acts out there right now and i think the word tribute in in the old sense it probably doesn't explain it because yeah, you got somebody, and I think we talked about Bob Anderson, the Frank Sinatra tribute. It, it, you just feel like you're watching Sinatra. It really doesn't have the the, uh, the feel of an impersonator or anything that is like a caricature. It's um, yeah. it's stunning, really. And then you got people like Charity Lockhart. I was going to mention Charity. I mean, I, it's worth going on to uh, your website and just checking some of those acts out. Charity Lockhart, I just think is astonishingly good i mean what, what a singer amazing and actually, there was a, there was a couple of others um actually the, the one that's doing celine dion is it tracy shield she, she's tracy. A, phenomenal and actually i really like the the who generation as well the guy whoever was doing uh yeah. it, well the actually all of them were fantastic but yeah just superb really really good no, they really do. They take it seriously. They don't buy cheap, uh, if it's costumable, they don't buy cheap costumes. You know, so if it's that type of act, they really put the time and effort into it. But you take someone like Charity, I, the real brief story, we did our expo here in uh, Showcase, which we do once a year. The last one was in Scottsdale. And it's a pretty big event. And it's a large theater and a major production. And after it was all over, after two days, we did um, charities tribute to Aretha Franklin. So everyone that had been there for the showcase, and Sam was one of them, and Linda and a bunch of people, we were sat, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 rows back, and we were just like, ah, showcase is over, let's enjoy this. And I swear, we cried at least a dozen times in that show. She's so good. It's ridiculous, really. I've, I mean, I, she's just crazy. And this woman sings. You just don't think there's a limit to her range. And I, she came, about, about eight months ago, she was doing some recording and she was going to do some backing vocals. And she'd already been singing for eight hours in church that day. And she's just belting these notes out. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Some people are born with it. I know they have to work hard to make it, to perfect it, but yeah, that shit, that's God given. What that girl's got is amazing. What it does. So many. So many. I would recommend anybody goes to the tab management site and, and finds uh, charity lockers through, and it's an Aretha show, isn't it? Aretha. Yeah, yeah. The current show is Aretha, but we've got a different show we're doing with charity next year. Right. Okay. Oh, what's that going to be? Well, can you tell? Can you tell us? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's more focusing on her. Great. Um, doing a show from all the big singers. 
Shaka Khan, Whitney Houston, Aretha Franklin. Um, but we're also working on putting her on stage with two other, I hate the word divas because it's so overused, but people who can really stand next to, Charity's a freak of nature. She's a crazy singer. But there are so many on our side, like Sam Bailey, like um, Harry Lineker, like Michael Williams, like Nicola Ward, that have, and Tracy Shields, that have these ridiculous voices. Yeah. So looking at putting something together, because it really is that wow factor. when someone That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that would be, be very special. I'll have to find an excuse to get over there now. That's terrible. For the young kid in Blackpool we signed on the Tad side, she's an um, incredible girl. Jenny Ball, her name is. She did the uh, X Factor. Um, didn't do greatly in it, you know, and then she went away. And as crazy as it sounds, she's like the karaoke world champion. So she, she was flown, all expenses paid, to Tokyo to perform <laughs> in the World Karaoke Championships. And they take this very seriously. It's almost like you know, your, Japan's version of Eurovision. And she yeah. smashed everybody out. When you hear this girl sing, the first time I heard her sing, someone sent me a link of her. And I went, jeez, I've got to get this kid. So I phoned her up. She's the most normal, down-to-earth girl from Blackpool, you know, with a northern accent. And then she opens her mouth. My God, she just blew me away. Right. She's, a, she's got a great future. We're working on her now. And like Terry said, I'm the Divas on stage. She's going to be one of them. Excellent. Incredible. That sounds really exciting. <laughs> so the, let me ask you this then. This lockdown, this, this period, uh, which none of us have experienced before in any industry. So, but what has this meant for the artists that you represent? Um, I mean, obviously, they haven't been able to uh, go out and work. So what have they been doing meanwhile? A lot of them are doing these quarantine videos where, you know, we're at home um, singing. That it's, I think this is all ever-evolving as well. Yeah. Um, they're just, you know, I think a lot of them have had some financial help from the government, certainly over here in the States, and I think it's been like that. So it has helped to um, ease the pain of this. Um, and I think most of them, as we did, thought this is going to be a relatively short thing, a couple of months, and we'll start getting back to it. I think once that government money starts to run out, if we don't get back this year, um, then the pain, you know, then it will really start getting to it. I also feel for a lot of our tech people, there are so many people that we hire, I mean, by the dozens over here, um, sound guys, light technicians, roadies, yeah. just a lot of those, they don't have an outlet. They don't have a creative outlet, first of all, to go on and sing a song, um, you know, and they don't have a financial outlet, and um, it's very tough for them. Um, and we're doing our part in trying to help everybody uh, mentally. In fact, Jan, our, the guy, the girl that runs our cruise division, literally has calls scheduled that she actively pursues every day with our artists and their families. And right, it's really, okay. Oh, fantastic. It, it, she just does it to um, get them all on Zoom, talks to them, keeps it um, positive, um, but it's really, really just a mental outreach to try and keep everybody positive and open and um, answer, answer questions and, you know, just not be silent. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Sam. I just say, just touching base is so important during this time. I mean, even we've got a house full of people and every now and again, you know, you just talk to the same people every day and, you know, that seems like it's enough, but just the outlet, it's the wall, isn't it? It's the, it's the yeah. subliminal wall that we've had forced in front of us. It's just, it, it can bring people down. I've got a, congratulate Terry on this because his, 
his view on all of this and the way he looks at it and his resolve through all of this has just been inspirational. You know, it sounds like a little bit of a blowing smoke, but it's not. He's, the man's he's, he's an inspiration, the way he's done it and the way he runs his company. And we've been having meetings with some of the cruise companies about when to start and how to go forward and when this finally does lift, how things are going to be. And yeah. they're all saying, nobody's doing it like you. Nobody's doing it like you. You're a million miles ahead. Well, I think that's quite apparent, by the way, uh, you talk about your artists. There is an obvious, you obviously care about what's going on and that, that comes across, um, well, really comes across actually. Well, I think that comes across because we've been there, Dave. You know, we've all been that guy, you know, yeah. and we how we would want to treat <laughs> Yeah, I'm in that queue as well. <laughs> yeah, we're all there. We were all up there in that spotlight. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. I think it's got to be apparent because you have to have the empathy as well as the sympathy. And, you know, and, yeah. Okay, that's what we... so looking forward then. So let, let, let's just talk finally about post lockdown after this this you know lockdown finishes and of course it's going to be staggered around the world as as we're already experiencing and a lot of europe are now back working in fact um i i had some friends tell me in spain that some of the bars have started to open and it's just starting to come to life again um i don't know how that is in the us for you we, we are seeing all sorts of reports in uh the uk about how the us has responded to this lockdown and some simply just have not uh, wanted to be a part of it and, and demonstrated against it uh, and others have taken it very seriously but as we come out of lockdown you know we, it's one thing to go into bars it's one thing to uh, one thing to go into a, a store and buy something but it's a totally different thing to go to you know uh, a, to, to a, a gig a concert a theater you know where you're you know will be packed together so what's your take what's your feeling on um, the, the return of audiences, about how audiences might feel about getting, in, uh, getting back into a packed theatre or, or arena, even. Um, just to touch on what you said about the US, one of the challenges in the US is that we have 50 states. Yep. And each state has a governor. So it's kind of like having 50 countries, even though it's, it, it's governed by one president. Um, so that's where the, di the dichotomy comes from one state to another. And of course, if you're in New York City, that's a whole lot different than being in Iowa. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. And so on. We, and and I, you pointed out at the beginning of the show that I'm down here in Mexico. Well, we came down here this week. In Phoenix, uh, we're already, uh, the bars are opening, the restaurants are now opening for dine-in, but with limited people and so on. Um, and the uh, the shopping malls are open, and yeah. and people are going grocery shopping. Um, but down here in Cabo, they were about a month later to react to this. Um, they don't have uh, they don't have many cases, so they've been really on top of it. And people are really adhering to the rules down here. But everywhere's closed. Right. There's not a restaurant open. If you go in a store, everybody is wearing a mask. Period. Right. Um, okay. So so there's all of that. Um, I'm hoping. I'm hopeful that when we, as, as we get back to normal, some common sense starts to prevail. Because, over, again, over in the States, they're talking about opening in the churches. Um, some of these churches have 2,000 people in them. If they're going to have 2,000 people in a church, you can have 500 people in a theater. Yes. That's just common sense. You know, the, 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 uh, the virus doesn't discriminate from one building to another. So I'm hoping that, uh, that as time goes on and as people become more uh, aware of what we're dealing with, 
um, that common sense will prevail and we'll start getting back to this. Because if we don't, um, the economic impact on our industry, we've already got theaters um, that were suffering economically already yep. gone under. Um, that's going to be magnified next year if we don't get out this quickly. So hopefully, you know, common sense will prevail. Yeah, I think it's much the same here, isn't it, Sam? I mean, there's, there's pubs yeah. that have really tried to support music that um, that were struggling before the lockdown, and you do wonder if they're going to open on the other side of this. But yeah, we need to get back out to gigs and uh, and um, yeah, support the industry wherever possible. So, but vaccination sort all this out, Dave. As soon as a vaccine comes in, you know, yeah. everybody kind of take their foot off the uh, the pause button and you know get out and. It, it will be tentative because it's a mindset, you know, we've kind of been forced into thinking a different way yeah. and it will take time. But, you know, maybe people will be cautious for the right reasons. Like Terry says, you know, common sense will prevail. Maybe people will be a little bit nicer to each other in the future. That's, that's the big hope. We can always hope. Yeah. <laughs> so just, just finally then, uh, let's just ask about musicians themselves post lockdown. You know, are there going to be different ways of earning money? I mean, there's already been a real trend we know about performing online, but that's hard to monetize. There are some that are actually getting uh, into education. So they're having courses made and they're teaching you know, some real, uh, uh, some real success stories out there with uh, like Scott space lessons and, and so forth who have done really, really well out of being a musician, you know, uh, at some evenings and then trying to, you know, monetize it with education during the day. So that's one way, but do you think there are, there are opportunities for musicians beyond the obvious at the moment? Do you mean right now or in the future? Well, as, as we come out of lockdown. I, I just think we, the, the only way to really move forward is to do what we've always done. I don't think people go to concerts to watch the show. I think people go to concerts to take part in the experience. Right. You know, we can watch... We can well use a tribute band, the Illegal Eagles, in uh, in the in the UK. They've got an amazing DVD out, and it's incredible quality. You put it on there, watch it, fantastic. It's nothing like going to the theatre and watching the show. And that's why we go. So um, there are going to be ways to get by, but to move forward, we've got to get back on stage and have people coming in and taking part in the experience with us. Excellent. Yeah. All right. A good place to end, I think. So I just also, I must put this in because it's a blatant ad. That's how I work. Sam, you're a big uh, um, Studio Spares user, actually, aren't you? you, you use I am, yeah, I am. I'll show you, actually. There you go. There's so, my hey. Studio Spares right there. There you go. Nice. Yeah, it's lovely. And Because you, you've got your radio show as well on uh, Sunday mornings, which we should also. It's radio, yeah, yeah. So where can people listen to that, to that show? Sam? Get online, Second City Radio, www.secondcityradio.net. And I'm on on a Sunday. Don't listen to anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and excellent. Listen, and I urge anybody to go onto TAD Management sites, which is, is it tadmanagement.com? Is that correct? Yeah, there's T-A-D-M-G-M-T or tadshows.com. Oh, tadshows.com. Go on there and check out some of uh, um, uh, the artists. They are just superb, some of them. So, listen, guys, thank you so much, uh, and especially for getting up early and talking to us uh, uh, from Mexico. And I hope to see you guys very soon. Stay safe. See you later. Cheers. Cheers.